Hey fellow fraud fighters, a big welcome to the Seon Cat and Mouse Show, where we'll look to get into the mindset, thinking and learnings of the hardest working group of heroes we know, the fraud fighting professional. And on alternative shows, we'll dive into the opposite world of current or ex-fraudsters to get a real insight into what's driving them to do what they do. And ultimately, we'll be trying to best work out who's the real cat and mouse here. So welcome everyone to the Seon Cat and Mouse podcast. Today, we're really fortunate to have uh, our colleague, Ina Makaria Bon, uh, join us, uh, who's a operational intelligence manager uh, for player sustainability at the Kindred Group. So big welcome, Ina. Thank you for taking some time to jump on the show. Thanks for having me. So Ina, let's uh, let's start uh, for the audience um, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, your baseball card, if you like. So you're at Kindred Group. Would, would you be kind enough to, in a sentence or two just to share a bit of a, what does Kindred Group do? Kindred Group is an online gaming operator with global reach. So we have customers in all corners of the earth, but also offices. And so we've offices spanning from uh, the US, Europe, a lot of offices in Europe, uh, and also. Australia. There are 11 brands within the group portfolio, so quite a a wide spectrum of customers. And uh, we offer products like uh, sports betting, horse racing, casino, bingo, poker, poker, etc. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and it's really one of the very largest. And what we'll dive into um, on this particular show, I think is really interesting. It's around uh, leaders like the Kindred Group um, and how they are leading a lot of initiatives around big concepts like responsible gambling and player sustainability. So let's let's maybe dive into that because that's what you help out with day in, day out with Kindred Group. Um, you help out on the player sustainability. That's worth probably defining what that involves uh, for our audience as well, if that's okay. So in terms of player sustainability, it is something that is valued at Kindred and it's not just lip service that we're paying out there to the industry, to the media or whatever. It is something that is innate and something that built into the culture top down and bottom up. Uh, And what it means essentially is that we spend a lot of time and resources into, um, first of all, establishing and then maintaining a relationship with the customer. So it goes from the very beginning, uh, from, uh, you know, putting thought into what type of customers we want to attract and acquire, because traditionally the industry has been known to sort of just dish out uh, promotional offers, acquisition offers that don't really attract the best type of customers and so encouraging promo abuse, et cetera. And so putting a lot of thought into, first of all, attracting the right type of customer that is going to, you know, enjoy our products beyond just the acquisition offer. And then once we've attracted um, and the customer has registered, doing the proper due diligence, proper verification to understand who the customer is, what they're about, is this type of customer that we want using our products? Um, is this customer of the right age, etc.? Um, and then beyond that, it goes into you know all of the um, risk management processes, understanding even more about the customer, where they're getting um, the funds 
to uh, the, the money to fund their uh, gaming with is this a real customer is it fraudster because there's only so much we can learn from the initial uh, verification right so it's doing the more in-depth kind of watching out uh, ensuring we're protecting the business and then it advances as the the relationship with the customer sort of progresses and advances close to that customer understanding their behavior understanding what's normal uh, for uh, that particular customer and whether or not you know they're their plane is getting out of control or if there's anything we can either do to support the customer or intervene if we see that the customer themselves aren't able to maybe control their their spending or their their gambling. So um, it is quite a large department um, that I'm part of uh, and the main domains as I mentioned customer verification there's a lot of time and effort going into the uh, promo abuse like I mentioned as well fraud the RG the uh, AML, the anti-money laundering, etc. You, you mentioned it a wee bit earlier, actually. This is clearly more sustainable. You know, it feels like doing the right thing <laughs> from that side as well. What, what I've noticed is uh, often the, the job roles that are popping up um, in iGaming for risk management intrinsically link the two titles together, looking at player sustainability and fraud manager are kind of almost like, it's, I'm starting to see it, at least naturally kind of those are the dual responsibilities that you'll be doing how does that intrinsically interact against the the fact that the business needs to generate revenue despite this but what's the kind of yeah dynamic there look the, the industry is maturing and so it started out as a bit of a who can make the most money but as it matures we have to do better if we're in this for the long haul right and we have to do better ourselves before the regulator comes and and makes us do it and i would say one of the founders of the whole sustainability con Sept at Kindred, uh, my colleague uh, Maris, who's quite passionate about responsible gambling and uh, sustainability, uh, she often speaks at conferences. And what she uses to sort of drive the point home is this comparison between uh, the the alcohol industry and the tobacco industry, right? And so in the tobacco industry, they haven't really done anything to make themselves more sustainable, whereas um, in the alcohol industry, you see all these warnings on labels, etc. Drink responsibly. Um, they put in a lot of effort to like help with addiction, etc. And so over time, um, if you look at the marketing and advertising of both these industries, if you look at uh, the alcohol industries, the alcohol industries ads there you know there's all these glamorous ads and really nice to look at ads whereas tobacco ads are first of all banned on a lot of broadcasters but they're even made put all these nasty images on the packaging and so it's a choice that we have to make right are we in this for the long haul do we want to get to a point where we're faced with this really not pleasant picture or do we want to be more like the alcohol industry and do our 
part in it and make sure that we're supporting customers, we're identifying customers that maybe aren't as in control and uh, and doing a bit for the community and society as well. Let, let's go into that a little bit. So on regulation, and um, this is, of course, a massive topic, but focusing on responsible gambling. UK, first of all, is kind of regarded at the forefront of this. I know just before uh, hitting the hitting the go button on our chat, you, you already brought up, Ina, that um, UK is indeed, but I think you had some wider context to other markets also leading on regulation as well. Yes, the UK are sort of setting a precedent, but so are other regulators. And, and first of all, more and more countries are becoming regulated. And this is something that Kindred, we're really happy to see. Yeah, more and more markets are becoming regulated uh, and more and more regulators are sort of raising the bar, if you like, or raising the standards. But a lot of that also comes from uh, talks with the industry, right? It's the industry sort of either working alongside the regulator to come up with the standards or following. I mean, the, the former is more favorable and what we're also always trying to do. But but yeah, we are seeing stricter regulations. And I think I know the answer to this. <laughs> for, for yourself, your personal view, um, regulation, uh, I guess it can be seen yeah, I guess maybe a bit of an older way of looking at it as a potential blocker, as something that could, you know, add friction, add, uh, you know, unnecessary steps. Um, but it's it feels like you guys see it as very much an enabler. It's a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, this goes back to being sustainable, right? If we're in this for the long haul, like if we are all going after one pie, right, and Kindred has a piece of the pie and somebody else has another piece, etc. In a world where there is no regulation and say we're doing our bit and we've identified that this customer has problems and uh, we're saying, listen, you know, we're supporting the customer through it and it comes to a point where we have to stop accepting business from this customer right there's nothing stopping this customer to go next door and so if there is no guidelines and there are no standards yeah the customer can just go next door to you know another cowboy operator that maybe doesn't take sustainability as seriously as Kindred does. Yeah, go taking us from the macro views to talk about um, yeah, your thoughts and perhaps how Kindred uh, lead on a lot of these things or getting ahead of these items. Um, maybe going into the tactical again on the on the fraud team. I found it really interesting in our pre pre chat as well. Hearing your thoughts on the the fraud team's collaboration and how you see that being effective across different departments within Kindred. And I know you mentioned a couple of combinations um, there with CS and the fraud team, with marketing, with the payments team. Uh, love you to expand on on why you felt very passionate to you as a topic. And so first of all, collaboration is sort of innate to our department and it has to be um, because we have, so it's not just about the fraud anymore. We've advanced into this um, large department that looks at, so like I said, sustainability under the umbrella of sustainability. There's fraud, but also there's anti-money laundering, there's the responsible gambling, the verification, etc. And all of these things, by the way, when I joined the industry, were all done by a handful of people. And so because it sort of has developed into this machine, we need to still maintain a level of cohesiveness because the customer 
only knows as Kindred, right? Or as uh, whatever brand the customer is playing on. And so if one team is sending a customer an email asking them for verification documents, but then another team is saying, actually, uh, we've seen you before and we don't want your business because, I don't know, whatever the case may be, we don't want them business. And so how we portray ourselves to the customer has to be cohesive. Uh, And so we need to make sure that, first of all, collaboration starts at home. And so we're all collaborating amongst ourselves within those teams that are in uh, sustainability. And then beyond that, work with the wider business to uh, either support or enable them. And so if it's uh, a customer service, for example, you know, understand what type of contacts they're getting, what are the customer pain points and see, can we work together towards alleviating them maybe and, and make what we do or the way we do things uh, more customer friendly or if that's the marketing team working together to uh, create campaigns that attract the right type of customer like I was saying earlier Um, if it's the payments team likewise understanding what a payment solution actually is the risk it poses because often and I I know from the MRC and first speaking to colleagues in the industry it's, it's often the case that payments team being commercially driven would onboard a provider without really consulting the fraud team or the risk team uh, and then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're hit with this massive attack or yeah uh, you're faced with a risk that we're not prepared for or not equipped to deal with and so um, yeah we try to um, do that at the beginning as well discuss all of the payments solutions with the payments team and support them and advise them as best possible and then it's important that as a sustainability team where they're we're, we're seen as a partner um, and not as a blocker or a police team <laughs> it's a really basic uh, i think challenge that we all face right in any, any business i would say but it's different sets of teams have clearly different kpis um, you gave the real example of, you know, a new payment method gets launched and uh, the payments team go, goes gun-ho on being able to promote it because, uh, you know, there's a lower cost of uh, processing or whatever it is. But then, yeah, just the knock-on effect to all these other uh, departments, as you mentioned. So it's quite cool that um, it sounds like this kind of your remit is trying to act as another cohesive layer across all these, you know, specific team functions. That's That's a very good enabling effect. Yeah, exactly. Um, And your point around the KPIs, yes, we do all have different KPIs, but we need to make sure that we're all pulling in the right, in the same direction, right? Makes sense. So I want, I wanted you, you you mentioned them yourself and our intros via uh, the Merchant Risk Council, the MRC. So that was, uh, that was great that you you brought that in. I'm curious also, when um, you as a fraud uh, fighter yourself, when you kind of attend events like that, where you're able to mingle, interact with peers that are other fraud fighters, I'm curious though, across different verticals, I guess you've got everything there, right? From retail to e-tail to travel to uh, online video games to et cetera, et cetera. I'm curious to any kind of headline kind of takeaways you, you kind of take away that are just universally applicable and that you've taken into your world, uh, Ina? So specific takeaways I might come to later, but in terms of what we 
get out of the MRC or collaborating with colleagues outside of our own company is, yeah, I mean, we already know fraud is no boundaries. And so it's understanding different perspectives, because I think often as fraud fighters, we sort of, we go down the narrative of, oh, fraud is intricate. And what we're seeing in iGaming is very specific to iGaming. And yes, to a degree, it is specific. And, and there are maybe some very intricate trends. But overall, um, what I'm seeing uh, somebody else in the airline industry, for example, will see down the line as well, maybe slightly different, or but they will see it. And so it's important to see, to one, get an advance of, you know, this is what's happened to somebody else and something to keep an eye on. And two, maybe you're faced with the same thing right now and and see how other people are dealing with and see if there's anything you can take in terms of implementing. I mean, uh, it's that, it's keeping an eye on the forums and actually not just fraud, but also seeing payment solutions as well. Is just something that, uh, you know, the industry considers very low risk and why did does everyone consider it low risk? And then maybe something that we can onboard at Kindred or preemptive, but also getting all other perspectives as well. It reminds me of actually um, a, a, the Gamshield organization uh, within iGaming. And I know Tina and Lee, they literally talk about those guys as iGaming, as you guys, as a very at the forefront of being attacked by people that want to yeah, abuse or defraud um, your organizations because it's a very high reward for it. So you're seeing stuff on the cutting edge as well, which, uh, which I'm sure other members at MRC benefit from, quite frankly. You know, they're seeing some funky stuff happening on your end. High reward. And also, um, it's in the interest of the interest of the industry to be customer friendly as well, right? Yeah. So what we're faced with the whole time is this constant balancing act because there, there's only so much that we can push customers um, in terms of uh, verification. So we're always striving to make it more customer friendly. And so within that, then in our effort to be more customer friendly, there may be, you know, th that in itself may be a little bit more attractive to professional fr uh, fraudsters. So, you know, I've really enjoyed this chat. Thank you again for that time. You may know we always ask our guests kind of uh, the, the same kind of question at the end. Uh, we, we are the Say on Cat and Mouse podcast. To your opinion, in the world of professional fraud fighter like yourself versus, say, fraudster, to you, who depicts the, the cat and who is the mouse and why? I think we out to be the cat. Yeah, we must be the cat. If we think about the metaphorical household, right, um, that is everything is rosy and then uh, all of a sudden it realizes it has a mouse problem, right? And they may put a few traps here and there, but it doesn't, it may kill the mouse that came in, but it doesn't really do anything to keep other mice away. And so they might then get a cat, right? And so the cat will catch the mice, but also deter, right? And then to a point, the master stops noticing what the cat does and the value of that cat until the cat every now and then will sort of drop the mouse on the doorstep. Just, hey, I'm still here. I'm still doing a good job, you know? <laughs> yeah, we must strive to be the cat at least we may not always be as effective as the master might want us to be but the cat is my answer you know thank you so much for your time it's been great having you on thank you thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show at Seon, our whole startup is 100% focused on helping you the hard-working fraud manager fight fraud with tools that are intuitive and fully complement your existing risk tech stack 
Check out our website where you can get started on a free trial and be up and running in 30 seconds or less.